and welcome to Right Hearted with me, Stuart Wakefield, and I'm delighted to have with me today writer, playwright, positive deviant. Uh, Jack Thorne described her as daringly dangerous, and The Guardian said she had great uninhibited writing. Anita, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to see you. And it's good to see you as well. Actually, we haven't met in person uh, since 2016. That's a fair while now, isn't it? Yes, Five. yes. So, uh, so I met Anita, we were on, uh, we did the same master's degree in professional writing. And I'm conscious we went in very di different directions in our writing. So um, Anita, give us a kind of a recap of how you came to be a writer and a playwright. Um, what do you mean? Like, when did I start writing from? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, I mean, like for you, the first you, time. Yeah, were you were like a as a child. Did you always want to be a writer? Did you did you kind of fall into it? I I really have a strong memory of being like in primary school, and you know they give you out those questionnaires like, well, what do you want to be when you yeah. grow up? And I remember really strongly like um, writing down that I wanted to be an author okay. then, and I think I probably must have been like nine. Okay. But um, and I just loved reading. I read all the time, and I thought I would want to be a novel writer, writing okay. novels. Um, and I guess I kind of thought that was a secret that I wasn't supposed to tell anybody because uh, the messages are all, like quite often like you know it's not a real job or right you know it's not particularly practical but yeah I, I remember from being really young wanting to be an author but I think mainly I was inspired by the novels that I I used to just read books all 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 the time okay and did you read wide or do you have like a particular genre that you kind of got into um I think I read quite broadly I mean obviously like at primary school I was like it was pretty uh, minimal I, I suppose I really liked Tina Blayton okay <laughs> um and uh but no I've, I just I just consumed anything I could get my hands on and as a teenager um I mean my mum always had a book around but it tended to be quite sort of historical romance or Catherine Cookson or something like that okay. um yeah. so I'd really read all her books but um as a teenager I was really drawn to activist books um okay. yeah and autobiographies of people who had overcome difficulties or change the world in some way okay yeah so um you mentioned that you know you were getting messages around the kind of that wasn't a real job so you're nine you've written author as what do you want to be when you grow up and um so was that when you started receiving those messages and was it kind of something you just soaked in socially soaked in socially I didn't tell anybody really right. you know I mean that was just a questionnaire at school it wasn't really discussed you know right. it wasn't like a, an open conversation and I don't I don't remember really talking about it with other people but um I think it is quite broad just quite broadly it happens at school or it's like a magical thing being a writer yeah. or an artist you yeah. know it's like oh that poor artist thing or, um, yeah, one of my family I spoke to a few years ago and they were like, what are you doing? It was around the MA time. And okay. I was like, oh, I'm a writer and I work with, um, you know, people in the community. And they just said, oh, you're still working with the great unwashed then. You want to stay poor for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's like, no, that's, that's not my aim. But, you know, I think it's important to do stuff that you love. Yes, yes, I agree. So you know you, your kind of nebulous ephemeral goal is to become to become an author how did that sort of change over time um well I was really I guess I was really I was quite introverted at school um and being young um I, I was quite shy and um I mean I always loved books and reading and English and you know st stuff in that way but um it wasn't it was but my family never went to the theater or particularly they did like um pantomimes and stuff okay but uh I was never it wasn't really a thing and then when I was at secondary school and we like they did um I did theater and I just absolutely loved it I loved yeah. it and um 
just being different people and yes. uh, trying on different personas or worlds or just yeah. inhabiting those stories. I absolutely loved it. And um, I guess from there, I that's what I did then at A-level and then went on to uni and did that. I mean, with a bit of quite a big gap in between those things, but um, okay. yeah, I just love, I just love performing and, and um, bringing those stories to life. And yeah. it really helped me sort of gain confidence and be in the world as a person. Okay. And, and would you say your style? So obviously, you know, when I, when I look at you, you know, you do a lot of com community work. Um, you know, you seem to that thread of activism seems to, you know, be in, in your your writing as well. So when you started your theatre course, were you you were acting or or you got to do some writing there? I mean, at college, I was I was like. Uh, uh, quite rebellious, I wasn't particularly, you know, I mean, I quite I liked the course, but that wasn't my pro like I, I liked. Um, sex and drugs basically I was okay. having a nice time with that so yeah. the course wasn't my favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> um but it was it, when I did I did an HND in community arts and so okay. that was my that was my theater experience at uni and that was very much combining the two because I'd gone traveling um after my A levels I was like I really didn't want to I really didn't want to be in education anymore I just found okay. it really stifling and yeah. and it didn't really teach me what I wanted to do and I was getting more I was getting more and more kicking against the system really yeah. and getting into situations that weren't good for me for my mental health or just good for me generally I wasn't getting what I needed so I went traveling for a fair while and then when I came back to England I came back to do that course um because I needed a sense of purpose yeah. um, and that was that combined the two things yeah so quite deliberately so I'd spend some time developing my own writing um, I, I wrote a one woman show and wrote and performed it okay. and um, and then as part of doing that I did a placement with Actor Community Theatre and yeah. then ended up working for them for 18 years so wow. yeah so um, you mentioned earlier that you said that what you wanted from education you weren't getting. What 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 where what was that tension? I felt like it was really tame and like I mean and I guess that's still how I feel about theatres and sort of institutions now. Like uh, I don't I don't particularly like studying Shakespeare or like stories that have been told over and over and over again I'm really interested in what's happening now and how people are changing the world now and how as um, a writer I can like write stories that um, uh, that marginalized people okay. can see themselves in because yeah. I really I really think um, I mean I, I guess like lots of people I just don't really feel seen as a person in mainstream stories okay. and I guess unconsciously as a teenager I knew I felt that without properly knowing that that's why I became so rebellious I suppose right. um just like not feeling seen is is um well it's just not great it's just not great is it so <laughs> uh yeah I've forgotten your question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, mean, I was just, we were talking about, you know, what, what you weren't getting from education and. and oh, well, and, and, yeah. And well, yeah. I just felt, yeah. What I wasn't getting from education. I just, I just don't really like being passive, particularly. Right. Like I don't like that's that sort of thing of being told. And then as a student, you receive, I'm, yeah. I think like having a interaction, like, yeah. I mean, I, I've got a lot of teenagers in my life now and I feel like, I strive to hold a place where we interact rather than I'm just giving them how the world is. And surely as people, we're evolving all the time and the world yes. is evolving. And that's part of giving and receiving and the learning. And I just didn't feel like that happened so much in education. Um, I mean, there was a couple of like odd experiences or, or teachers or whatever, where I felt like it was a genuine exchange, but there's a lot of sitting down and, being still and doing yeah. what you're told which I don't do well with <laughs> <laughs> so how, how yeah. does that translate into 
how you write? Um, well, I guess I'm writing from, well, uh, my last play that I wrote was about, um, or is about a group of teenagers who um, are kicking against current restrictions in their okay. lives in secondary school yeah. and there's some characters that are sort of just redoing the cycle of what's happening and then there's a couple of characters who are breaking out from that okay. um and um the two main character the two main characters are lesbians and it's i'm it there's not many plays where um people who are gay or lesbians actually have a positive end and don't yes. die or traumatized or yeah, kill yeah. themselves. So I'm trying to get, like offering um, a story which is acknowledging all the difficult things that are happening in the world for teenagers, but offering a different outcome. Yeah. Um, I think that it really does affect people's mental health yes. and like to be able to see an actual difference um, that can be received positively yeah yeah, yeah. i feel bad now because i'm working on a short story where one of the guys dies <laughs> <laughs> you've read quite Ray... a lot where that doesn't happen though haven't yeah, you yeah i think, yeah, I so think, I think yeah i think like ratio wise if i keep writing novels with a, a happy ever after which is kind of what i want to do um yeah. i could drop the odd you know kill your gaze I, yeah drop your death in yeah. <laughs> i think that's okay it's just when <laughs> it's just when all the stories are trauma trauma death trauma yes. it's like yeah. oh my god i obviously understand that that's a lot of people's experience and it's important yeah. to um be honest about that mm -hmm. but when that's all you see in mainstream media on tv and yeah theater and stories like how, where is like how, where is the opportunity to grow otherwise that's just presenting a world that's static yeah and that's i think that's really hard and there's a really good quote which i probably am not going to be able to remember properly right now but about um yeah seeing yourself something about monsters in the mirror can't remember i'll okay. remember it when we've stopped talking <laughs> okay <laughs> it's always always the way so yeah um, you said you had a lot of teenagers in your your life at the moment. Is that yeah. through the community groups that you work with? Well, I am a single parent for two teenagers. Um, so they are with me most of the time and right. they have friends and, you know, but mm -hmm. also I work for the youth offending service. So I have, okay. um, there's quite a lot of teenagers there too. Yeah. 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 And I'm working for Theatre Royal Plymouth at the moment. Okay. Um, and I'm doing a project with them where it's an intergenerational project where I'm um, speaking to teenagers and elders and okay. uh, they're swapping their opinions and thoughts about what rules need to be followed and what rules need to be broken. Okay. So to give me material to write a play. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, I think, that, you know, there's always that question where, you know, people will say to a writer where do you get your ideas and I think it's just being being open and being listening and actually probably mm. being a bit nosy um, being really nosy yeah yeah so, <laughs> so it sounds like your writing has kind of evolved from um, you said like you know you wanted to be seen mm. um, it sounds like that has kind of matured or evolved into wanting other marginalized people to be seen is that is that fair yeah, I mean, I felt like by doing um, the MA yeah. five years ago, um, I feel like I found my voice then because I've done 20 years of working in community theatre and community okay. arts. So I yeah. was well versed in um, supporting other people to find their voices. And I feel by, yeah, by doing the MA, I really made space and time to find my own voice. Yeah. And as I've got stronger within that, I guess I'm able to hold a space for to hear people again without losing myself. I'm yes. like I was previously really good at just not existing whilst facilitating people. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm influencing how I'm putting stories together when I'm doing that. But it's very different being aware of my own voice and holding a space for other people. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I wanted to, to talk to you. You said something about um, you, know, you found uh, education quite passive. Mm. Um, 
how do you think so you know like reading a book or, or watching a film what is it about theatre for you that that has or rather doesn't have that passivity I think it can do I think mm. theatre can be very passive you know you have the the stage and then the audience and it can be very much like that yeah. but I, what interests me is the blur of um the real and the imagined and evoking senses and actually provoking reactions in from an audience so mm. it's not just a sit back and observe situation like yeah. my last play was well it was programmed to be on at Bristol Old Vic as part of the Bristol rep season but actually okay. um just before the pandemic but just before yeah. Covid so it ended up being on Zoom but my plan was that um the main action is a story on the stage obviously it's five characters but there would also be um between 15 and 20 young men in the audience doing ensemble movement and uh -huh. they would have phones with yeah. which um which they would be looking at and that would be informing what's happening on the stage okay. and so that would be um and i wouldn't necessarily like the audience would walk into that without i mean some people would know if they'd read a leaflet i guess but yeah. they would you know they they wouldn't they would be affected in a way because yeah. they would be surrounded by young young men in like hoodies and you know on their phones that's going to start a certain edginess happening i think yeah. um and so i'm interested in how the how worlds blend and um making theater more of a immersive experience rather than um I mean, obviously, any kind of thing is like passive to a level, yeah. but I think um, it's different when you're just sitting watching something like TV, or yeah. and when your senses are activated, or when some when there's um, a deliberate emotion provoked. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, and I think there's something about in there about kind of shared experience as well. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to um, used to be in the theatre um up until 2003 and um it was really interesting so you know, like a friday night audience would be quite different to to a saturday night audience and i found it interesting how people people's energy would feed off other people mm. so sometimes a saturday audience would start quiet and then you get a couple of chucklers or somebody with belly laughs and suddenly it lifts the whole mood and you don't really get that with a novel I guess you get it to a degree, you know, if you're in a cinema, but mm. also there's that that rift between the actors and the audience as well. How are you? Okay, so I think what I'm getting at is, as a writer, you seem much more involved as a writer than than you know if somebody wrote a play five years ago and then it gets put on somewhere else. They're kind of not really going to be around. Mm. So for you. I mean, do you rewrite shows as as the uh, as the performances progress? I have, yeah. I mean, I have done. I am doing at the moment. Yeah. And um, also, there's elements of uh, the things that I'm writing where I would want the main, like the protagonist, the actress who's mm. playing the protagonist, to be able to um, be able to improvise at points. Yes. So they are. So there's some. Um, points where she would directly address the audience so they're mm. dropping out of the world and coming into the present yeah. and um so that would be different depending on who's there and i feel i i mean i think there's something really important about acknowledging what's actually happening yes. in a in a room and yeah. if you know if if someone had dropped something or if someone i don't know done something then I would want the actors to be able to acknowledge that and just okay, be in yeah, their yeah. bodies enough. Because yeah. then I think if a, if, a, if a performer is connected to their breath and connected to the room, then the yeah. audience can be more present with what's happening. If, yeah. there's if it's too much in the head, yes. then the, that's when things you know, become a more passive, passive or um, disconnected experience, I think. Yes. Although it can be quite frightening for an actor to acknowledge somebody in, in the audience and break that fourth wall, and it can be petrifying yeah. 
for somebody yeah. in the audience to be singled out by an actor. How, I mean, do you, how do you kind of work through that with, with actors? Because it's one thing in rehearsals when you've got everything taped out on the floor, but another thing when you've got 60, 70 people looking at you. Well, when, like the person, uh, the woman who is performing um, my, the play I've been talking about, Buzzing, yeah. um, we just did an extract at Salisbury Theatre and she's just brilliant at it. Okay. She's, you know, she's like, I'd yes. need a performer, like the role I've written for that show, I'd need a performer who could take, would, would thrive off that. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's okay for an audience to feel scared sometimes. Not and like, I think there's a difference between um, participatory theatre where yes. you're actually getting an audience member to come up, or you're grilling them, or something, right. or you know, there's sudden there's an expectation of uh, joining in, yeah. and I wouldn't necessarily expect that unless that happened naturally, because I think right. that can be quite shutting down. Yeah. Although some performers are very very skilled at it, I've I've um, there's a lot of fooling and clowning in Bristol yeah, um, and uh, some you know some performers are just very very skilled at putting an audience at, at ease and some aren't and yeah I understand that fear but I think as an audience it's okay to be scared I think there's a lot of um, chat about uh, plays that make people feel comfortable or don't don't annoy an audience or make or write a character that everyone's going to love but yeah. actually that's not real life and I think that it's okay to feel a bit angry or, or like a bit scared in a performance as long as that as long as a performance isn't a whole attack <laughs> like as long as it's got like you know up and down there's a bit of love in there as well yes. but I think yeah. it's okay to feel fear in a safe place yeah yeah I, it's definitely something I, I wanted to to ask you and it, it was kind of based on an on on experience I had so um, when I first started um, directing uh, there was uh, there'd been a writer's workshop and this was all at the uh, Mercury Theatre in Colchester that uh, they'd done a writer's workshop and then we came in and we performed each of the plays anyway um, so we did this play and it was about people in a park Anyway, so uh, it finished and this guy came up to us and he said, oh, um, you know, that was really funny. I really enjoyed that. And we were like, fantastic. And then he said, I didn't write it like that. And we were like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, he, he was very happy, but I think there's also, there's that kind of collaborative, even if you don't have the writer there, I think there's that collaborative thing where you, you know, you read things in and you come to it with your own kind of vision and you put your own time in and all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, for actors, um, you know, directors, in a way it's quite freeing not to have the writer there. Um, it sounds like you are there. Is it fair to say you're doing some directing or is it more uh, like workshopping? Not, I mean, with um, Buzzing, I was there for the first week Okay. Um, just so that because I needed to do a bit of rewriting because yeah. it's it's um it needs uh, some I'm looking at doing research and development later in the year with it okay. it's not finished finished um but no I was happy to uh hand over to the director most I think he did I think it was five weeks and I wow. I just was there for a week and then came in for a couple of days at the end so okay um if I was, yeah, like, I think, it, yeah, I think it's good to be obviously involved, but it's also quite weird as a writer to, um, it's very exposing, as yeah. I'm sure you know, to yeah. write something that's all different parts of yourself, and then people yeah. all talking about it, and like, as they're talking, I'm like, oh, sort of learning, like, oh, that's what that means, oh, that's interesting, yeah. and like as reading through the script because obviously you know it takes quite a long time to write a script yeah. so remembering where I was when I wrote different parts it's quite a sense quite an overwhelming sensory experience yes. um and it's it's good to step away from that also <laughs> <laughs> and have you ever have there have been times where you have not wanted to step away um I mean, like, 
buzzing will go to a new be working i'll be working with a new team of people okay. um at some point either i don't know when it's going to be because you know th theaters and covid but um i don't know i don't i wouldn't want to just completely let go of it now and see it on the stage right. like i'd want to be involved with a new team and see okay. like how people are uh where people are going with it but then i if i felt like if i felt um if we had a good relationship i'd be happy to step away yeah okay yeah good good and then in terms of writing i mean do you you write you think it's done you know you you approach some people or do you kind of work workshop st stuff up because i've seen that that process work quite well as well well, when I was doing community theatre, it's all workshop, really. Okay. And I was just yeah. like, because I the, the purpose is um, other people's voices, yeah. I'd be I'd be like catching moments or getting a piece right. of impro improvisation or okay. and then writing it into a script. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so that so that that's that's how I've mainly written plays. Um, Buzzing was. Uh, and the and the, I've done quite a few short things over the last couple of years. Um, that's quite different, and that's been solely writing. Okay. So it's a very different experience. Um, and the one I'm doing at the moment, Fish Tank, um, I've been only writing. I'm looking forward to having some voices on it. I I was in a writers group with the Royal Court, and that and um, some people read some of the script that I've written, but. Yeah. Um, it does change when there's different voices mm. reading yeah definitely and then and then i can hear it in a different way yeah i prefer yeah. to do a bit of writing and then workshop it and then, and then go like do it like that like do a mix but um yeah. it's been a little tricky lately <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think for me i mean I've, I've, I've never written play but um having been a, an actor, I mean, I really enjoyed the the whole collaboration thing and that people bringing their own views to it. I'm reading a book at the moment called Creativity Inc. It's written by, I think his name is Ed Catmull. Um, he basically helped set Pixar up. Um, and it's really interesting what they were talking about, um, creating that kind of open, creative um, environment where you can be you can have candor and you can be frank with each other without anybody getting defensive. Mm. Um, Having said that, um, I've been in environments where, you know, some writers and directors or, or actors have been very precious and you can't, no matter how constructive you're trying to be, you can't give them any criticism at all. That's um, really tough. Yeah. Have you ever come across it, that in your kind of process? And if you haven't, is it kind of an accident that you've been in that culturally collaborative space or if you had to kind of do some work to kind of engender that? Um, I've been really luck. I want to say lucky. Um, some people don't like the word lucky, but I think I've been lucky because okay. I've been working with Grey Eye. So um, I've been really lucky in the fact that I've I haven't had to set everything up myself. Okay, sorry. What's Grey Eye? Grey Eye Theatre. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Yeah. So. Uh, so I haven't had to go and find actors or actresses okay. like they've yeah. done that um, and they've got a really good network of people. Um, I mean, there were, there has been someone who wasn't particularly into the part that they had. Okay. Um, and I didn't have to deal with that. The director dealt with it really well. And they were just like, well, you know, just do what you're comfortable with. Okay. Luckily, it wasn't for a full blown show. It was for an extract. Because right. um, otherwise, I mean, gen like genuinely, they would have had, we would have had to get someone else because they weren't into the, um, the sort of belief system around the play. And you cut like uh. that's that wouldn't really work on a long time. Yeah. If you're going to spend a lot of time doing it, that wouldn't really work. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been really lucky to be mainly working with professionals. So, okay. and I'm, I made a choice, you know, I've worked in community theatre for such a long time and I've loved it. Like, I, you know, it's been a job I've wanted to do. Um, 
but and I still do it in some capacity. Okay. But um, it's hard. It's you know, like as the like as a as a theatre facilitator, you're the facilitator, the director, the writer, um, like everything. Uh, and then you have to you know talk to the production team, do prop making, or make the props, or yeah. like depending if there's a budget, like you know, like you have to like it's absolutely everything. And so yeah. I made a choice um, after doing the MA, like that if I was going to progress in my own with with my own voice right. in my own way, it will it would be with support with a functioning yeah. team who yeah. would. So, because I think there's there's a real pattern in the arts um, of people disregarding mental health, and um, yeah. you know the show must go on, and yeah. you can work harder, and you know, and I and I think that um, I don't know. I'm I'm 47 now, and I'm I've, I'm just not into that. I want to work. <laughs> I want to work in a team of people. I want to. I want to have support. I want to. Yeah. I want to do collaboration. I want to have. You know. I want to I want to want to go into a space and work with people so yeah yeah, yeah. and I think you you what you were saying about you know you you write from you know deep inside yourself I think you need as you say that kind of safe space as well yeah and but what do you think community theatre brings to the table that I don't know what to call it professional or mainstream theatre doesn't um well I think a lot of it is about process for the performers okay um and I mean that's that's what I was interested in that's what kept and um, keeps me engaged in that yeah. is seeing the journey of someone who maybe hasn't ever spoken about a subject okay. and is able to open up and like it's life it's genuinely I know it sounds a bit cliche but it is genuinely life-changing for people yeah. Yeah. and it feels like a real privilege to be part of that and see uh, and create a safe space where people can share and connect and quite often in a group um, you know people make real connections and 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 make friends where they've been maybe quite isolated okay so I love that and I and I think you know they're real stories and they mm. might they're not always I mean some community theatre is very professionally um, put on but quite often because budgets are so low it's not comparable to a professional theatre and it, and it can't be because you haven't got the team and the money behind yeah. it yeah. all the time but um you know sometimes it's just a real it's just a real beautiful thing to see real people tell real stories of connection and their mm. lives I, I really like that yeah and I think what you were saying is that, that thing about being seen mm. and I think even geographically geographically that 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 changes as well so you know I don't know the experience of a black person in Leicester might be very different from you know a black person living in, in Bristol what's um so something you were saying about about low budgets though it's incredible I find it constantly um I'm constantly impressed about how the audience will suspend their their disbelief mm. so um, I think I saw it was called Burning Blue. I think it got made into a film. And I think most of that play was done under three spotlights when I saw it. I think it was at the National, um, just three spotlights. Um, but do you find as a writer that you need to uh, minimise the number of locations in a play? Um, I'm not a particularly location-based kind of person, right. okay. <laughs> so yeah. I like I like quite a stark stage. Okay. But um, so I tend to like uh, performers to create things physically rather than um, scene makers or prop makers to create it tangibly. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah, and. I kind of and I'm not massively into naturalistic stories like okay. I, I quite like um, magical realism so yeah. I mean I tend to have a mix of two of the two going through what I've been writing over the last couple of years so there's yeah. so there tends to be quite a lot of real and then I'll go into complete fantasy so right. um and I think that's the magic of theatre yeah and I mean, I think I, I've, that, I've seen loads of pictures of you 
um, in very... I'm scared of what you're going to say now, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> what have you seen? <laughs> it's all on the internet. Uh, yeah. You can't get away from it now. But I know. In, in <laughs> of, yeah, but it quite sort of confrontational, avant-garde sort yeah. of stuff. So, you know, your writing seems very, like, challenging. It's not just, like you say, sitting there and being passive. It's, mm. it's putting you through an emotional not through the ringer I don't know do you put people through the ringer sometimes yeah and and, yes. and, and, and what what is the the purpose of that what do you think you get out of putting somebody through the ringer or making them feel uncomfortable I genuinely think sometimes um it's a relief to see uncomfortable feelings on the stage. You're talking about performances I did with Dada for Girls, which was yes. a kind of punk avant-garde in your face feminist group of seven um, women. And it was it was a really, it was a time in my life where it will never be recreated. Everyone okay. was on the edge of their lives um, in some way. And it was so powerful. It was amazing. And we all did um, our own performances, but then also did group performances. And it was like really challenging. In fact, I think we won the Wandsworth Fringe and Gothenburg Fringe both times. We won um, a prize or something or other for um, being the most innovative in your face challenging performance so pioneering you know all those kind of words yeah um yeah. but i think um i know for myself sometimes like sometimes my mental health's not that great sometimes mm. i feel really depressed sometimes i get really really anxious um and what goes on in my head in those times um can feel really isolating and i think that being able to see um things like that on stage that aren't really necessarily spoken about and with um dada for girls the pieces that i did were generally around motherhood mm -hmm. and you know i've been quite i've been um a pretty i would say well by my standards a pretty mainstream mother okay um but like it's really this quite hard like as a person to be put in a box by society and be expected to deliver a role 24 seven yeah. all the time of being like, you know, quite oppressed really. Mm. Um, and what, and the performances I did were the, I guess the darkest moments that I felt around that. And I know for myself, when I've seen things like that performed or I've read them, it's, it's a relief to know that I'm not alone. So it's not, I know it, it, it's not an attack on an audience. It's an opportunity mm. to for someone to feel connection or yeah. there'll be people in the audience who are just relieved. They don't have to say that themselves because they can just, it changes in your body, I think, when there's something mm. that you haven't spoken about yeah. um, and you witness it mm. yeah. in, a safe, I, in a safe space. Now, that's really interesting because I, I, I definitely think that it's one thing watching it on a screen. Mm. It's another thing watching it when people are 20 feet away from you. Yeah. Or even 30, 40 feet away from you. Um, I went to see a play. I cannot remember where it was. I know it was in London. It was called Feston. And it was Paul Nicholas used to be in EastEnders. And the whole play was basically pretty much people sitting at a, a table eating. And it becomes very clear that he's been abused by somebody else at the table. Oh, I've and heard about it, this. I haven't yes. seen it, but I've heard about this. Yeah. Right. And it all comes to a head. And mm. I physically had to stop myself from getting up, running onto the stage and trying to save him from another oh. character. That never would have happened if I had been watching it on TV or watching a movie. And I, I definitely think there's that opportunity, as you, you know, as I was saying, like it's very different when you're in the same room as these people and mm. seeing what they're going through. Yeah, well, I I hadn't heard of Sarah Kane before last year, um, but I saw uh, it was on Zoom. But I know it would be different in the theatre. But I was I was affected by that, even though I was watching it through a screen, just yeah. through the power of the writing and the yeah. performance. And um, 
because it felt like what was going on in my head I felt okay. like it was just so it was really it was really dark and it was really mm. challenging but um and some people hated it which I understand because it's quite disjointed it's quite poetic but I really love okay. poetry and yes. I love um not always but I kind of like theatre sometimes that isn't um just very obvious so okay. so it's a bit like those seeing what are they called those seeing eye pictures you know you have oh, to sort of like go yeah. like that and then the yeah, picture yeah. comes you know what oh I mean? those I can't do those but yeah yeah but well um I sort of felt like it was like that and sometimes I just I really like that so like your gecko are really good at that okay um before like doing a performance and like talking with your body so there's a, so there's a lot of non-verbal stuff going on as well yeah. and then like suddenly you feel it suddenly you feel the emotion or you get it i i really like that yeah yeah and i think as well to be able to see like a, an ensemble thing like because your eye your eyes can wander mm. and sometimes you know you see another character reacting in a way that you you probably wouldn't see them on in a movie because there'll be a tight shot on somebody speaking yeah yeah but you know somebody else is doing something and you think oh okay like they might not be speaking but the way they're 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 working I wanted to come back to something you were saying um so the first episode of, of this this podcast was about emotional resilience mm -hmm. now if you are writing something particularly but the dark and you were saying you know obviously you know you have you have encountered some mental health health issues do you find when you're alone and you're writing do you find it what's the risk to you of writing yourself deeper into those feelings rather than writing out of them um i think it's really good to be aware of i think and i think it takes practice right. i had a mentor not last year when I was working with Grey Eye, um, Toby Hulse. And he, when I first found out um, he was my mentor, I was quite cross about it. Like, um, because um, we're so different okay. and we're so like, he writes for family shows. He really likes Shakespeare. He's like, um, you know, he's white, he's a middle aged bloke. And I was just like, ah, that's totally not what I wanted. <laughs> He was fabulous, fabulous at, at helping me work that out. Whereas right. I was, I would um, tend to go dark, then darker, then darker, and he'd be, and he'd, and he would. He's really good at finding things funny, not okay. in a dismissive way, but seeing the humour in something. And um, I basically spent a year looking at that and really looking at the light and dark in something, and yeah. and thinking about the journey of an audience or the journey of my character and like what was the purpose of keeping someone in the dark place like you know like you can write very from an emotional place but actually when you're structuring a play or when you're getting into structuring anything or, or you know a, a long form thing yeah you have to be able to see the emotional journey yes. like it can't be a flat line mm. so I mean I mean you know you write novels but yeah. like you know so I think it really helped do like having um doing a long form piece because my plays an hour and a half I think okay and the play I'm writing quite like currently will be that long I think there's a there can be a danger in for that for me in short form but then is it a danger if it's short form? I don't know. I've just got much more awareness around, about it now and yeah. much more awareness about what is the purpose of it. Um, and that's come through practice and seeing how people are affected. And it's a fine balance because as I've been challenged with, you know, um, where's the light in here or where's the sort of mainstream structure within it, as I'm sort of venturing out and talking to more theatres or people, it's like, how does that fit in um, a recognised structure? Okay. Um, I still feel quite protective about the darkest parts. Yes. Because I think um, it's important to not sanitise um, my experience or the experience of my characters. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just sometimes I just need a break. 
from the people <laughs> you know some and like my mentor was so good at doing this like if I got stuck if, I, if it's a genuine stuck being mm. stuck in an emotion at sort of being like well put them in a different place give them a yeah. different age like yeah. um send them on holiday ask them what the secrets are like you know, or how would they be when they were six or 102 or yeah. where do they want to be? You know, and just like, just step out of what the actual plot is yeah. and ask them, um, yeah, talk to them in different places mm. or maybe just like physically go out and have a swim. I think, I think sometimes um, being a writer, well, I ran writing groups for a while yes. before yeah. uh, COVID and I really encourage people to get up and move around if they wanted mm. to. I think there's a belief that when you're writing, you've got to sit still all the time. And I, yeah. I'm not into that. Yeah, yeah. The um, So uh, also you talk about, about sort of, you know, light, light and dark. I think the audience needs that as well because, yeah, you know, we talked about, you know, putting people through the ringer. You need, they need that moment of kind of respite mm. and that respite, shouldn't only be the interval <laughs> i think it's nice i think i mean the more i'm writing the more i'm able to bring humor okay. so to like and to recognize where some light relief yes and, vul and vulnerability like i'm getting better at um allowing my characters to be vulnerable yeah and um yeah. And I didn't fully understand that until I went and saw um, Train Spotting was done as a play, and in Bristol it lasted forever. Okay. And like the performers were really great, and like the the um, setting was really good. But they'd taken all the most, the darkest and really in your face parts of Train Spotting and done mm. that. And it was really, you know, like the pregnant woman getting kicked in the stomach and then shit going everywhere. And it was just like the the dark, dark, dark. And I met and I watched that and I was like, oh yeah, this I'm not feeling anything. Yeah. I've just become desensitized. It's just I'm not feeling anything. Yeah. And that made me really understand why you, you know, you need to pace. Because if you want people to feel something, you need to give them space to be able to feel and breathe. Yeah. Have you ever walked out of a play? Um, I have. I'm trying to think of which one that might i know i have it's very rare for me to do it yeah but um i remember there's one i saw <laughs> which was like basically someone had built a womb and they were just rolling around in it for ages and like i and like i'd gone um with my partner at the time and afterwards we'd both said you know did you we thought the other one might like it and then it was like did you like it and I was like no I wanted a pint about 10 minutes in and it's like <laughs> it was just like <laughs> so sometimes those performances are great and sometimes I'm just really not in the mood for watching someone rolling around the womb you know <laughs> like, I'd rather have a pint <laughs> do you know what I was in there and it is interesting like you know we're saying about how different audiences react um uh, one thing I, I I will never ever forget the power of someone's imagination. Mm. So um, I was directing a play. It was called Sunshine, and it's about a girl who works in a pawn booth. And it starts with her in the pawn booth, and she the guys put the money in the, you know, whatever, and the screen comes up, and she's taken her clothes off, and that kind of all that kind of thing, and um, that lasts five minutes tops. And then the rest of the show is, I think she's in her apartment and this guy visits her and, you know, it's very deep and meaningful and they kind of start to form a relationship. And then at the very end, it's bookended or with another section of her in the glass booth. Anyway, um, the first thing comes up and the actress was very, very vulnerable and nervous and she had some his history of abuse and she did not want to take her clothes off and i was like that's absolutely fine so we took the lights down so she went to unhook her bra brought the lights down and the rest of the dialogue was done in the dark oh, and then nice. when the lights came back up she's doing her bra back up mm, anyway cool. this couple as the a couple of minutes after the lights went down they got up and walked out oh why oh and i was like oh why? okay anyway they came back at the end and they were I could see them like talking to other people and then they looked at me and they came over to me and they said your play is disgusting <laughs> and I said well a I didn't write it I said what's what's the problem 
and they went you know that that really explicit sex scene and all that kind of stuff and I said well, oh, wow. what did you actually see and they were like well I said because no one did anything you didn't see anybody doing anything and the dialogue wasn't that filthy so and it sort of dawned on them that it was all in their minds so uh, I do find it interesting where when when people will get up and walk out on what their reasons are and how powerful a blackout can be um yeah and like and you just don't have any control about what people's triggers are do you yeah like yeah um in buzzing like the sort of the play works towards someone throwing a brick at someone else which is obviously okay. quite a violent act but you don't see it right like um but I, the feedback i had from some people was that that was so violent and awful that they couldn't you know i should that i should take that out right but it wasn't it, it's not it's only spoken about okay. it's not in a similar sort of way it yes. wasn't it's you know you don't actually see someone like throwing a brick but yeah so it's like you and like other people are like you know you don't know what's affecting people do you that's why i find it really difficult when people say you know you need to write a, a character that people like mm -hmm. or you have to be gentle with audiences because like i mean i've i've obviously worked with groups for years and have been mindful of this stuff for a really long time but i can run sessions and, and someone can get really upset about talking about birthdays or cake Yes. you know if that's got a really like you just don't know what can be a trigger for someone and yeah. like i think yeah so that i do think it's important to actually be authentic and and mm. speak about an experience rather than try and protect an audience i do yeah, yeah. you were saying earlier about um academia and not that you didn't want to be taught stuff but you know it wasn't it wasn't that passive Yet you did mention structure. So mm. I, I, I did want to ask you, so when you sit down to write, I mean, how much planning do you do before you sit down? I could, I could, I could talk for a really long time about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I used to be, when doing the MA, I was really angry about having, uh, about any structure at all. And I remember okay. like going like, I, I don't agree with this and trying to find a way around to trying to find something that really didn't have any structure and okay. like uh and really and and getting to a point after a significantly long amount of time of having to concede and go oh no actually there is a structure to most stories yeah. like you know 99% of them and um uh and I my last the last play I wrote I made it really difficult for myself and I didn't I didn't really plan it I started with a monologue and then I went off and it's like how, how it's ended up is like people respond very well to it because the structure isn't obvious okay. but I've I have laid a structure I have like how if you like put the play up like that and then put a traditional structure behind and sort of a scene where it makes sense to me okay and even yeah. though if it might be like off a little bit there is a structure there that's yes. quite complex. Yes. Um, but I've been doing some radio writing recently with four other writers with Naked Productions and um, and Grey Eye. And that, because it's five writers all together and we're each writing an episode of, so, uh, of um, whatever, a thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the structure behind that is absolutely, absolutely done to the nth degree so everybody knows what character does what how the dynamics change what happens here what happens okay. what lands in this scene and that has made it infinitely easier to write uh, like okay. so much so the play i'm writing now i know the characters i know what's happening i've got a, quite a reasonable idea of the plot and I am going to be doing this. I am going to be writing out the treatment, the structure to a really like extensive degree so that I know when I come to it, um, I know that when uh, I write the scenes, it just makes it so much easier. But yes. I think that's because I feel more confident as a writer now, whereas I, th I think if I, I mean, I don't know, I'm just, I just naturally try and push boundaries on established things, I guess. But um I think maybe if I'd done that, come to a structure first, I wouldn't have been able to find my voice within that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think this is way where um, I'm training to be a book coach at the moment. And it's really interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm very big on structure and plotting and getting everything planned. So as I go in scene by scene, I know where their head is at going into the scene. I know what needs to change. I know what's coming out. I say that now, I didn't used to really think about what was going on inside the character. And for me, I think plotting is a series of events mm. now, as I've been doing my training. What has changed is I now realize, yes, it's a series of events, but there's that second tier in that, okay, this event happens. What does that actually mean to the character? Mm. And I think that's, I think that's easier do you think that's easier to do in playwriting than it might be for me to write in a novel? I haven't written a novel. Um, and I've, I, so I can't answer that. Right. Okay. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and I don't, I sort of also question the, the word easier. Um, because I think everyone works in such different ways. Some yes. forms are just, um work better for your brain right you know depending on okay. how you individually process things but um uh i i mean i i guess i find writing a play for me i find um I'm, i haven't got space to write a novel now because it, it needs so much holding not that oh, yeah. not that playwright play writing doesn't but i feel like um it's more of a collaboration as a play. Yes. So, you know, yeah. like obviously you can write a script and then you go, and if you're really lucky, you have um, performers that you then could bring stuff and then mm. you can change it. Whereas a novel, when it's out and it's printed, that's kind of done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think for a self-published author, and I have mm. been tempted, so, you know, I have saw a comment on my latest book and I thought oh you know I could I could go back and just tweak that and I'm like no 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 don't don't like you've got other things to get on and do coming back to playwriting though when we like talking about novels I, I think I think it's possible to write a novel that is just a load of events I think it's very possible to write a screenplay that is just a string of events mm -hmm. um, particularly if you're looking at James Bond as a character he doesn't really change mm. um as a playwright, do you think it's possible to get away from character? I think the whole thing is always about character. Do I think that you can write a play that isn't character focused? Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is possible to write to to do that and to sort of present a series of events, if you like, um, and the audience will find a story. Okay. Yeah. Like you're saying, you know, the strength of people's imaginations. Yeah. Like I'm sure, as a theatre person, you've done uh, many workshops where you do things like walk on the stage and pick up a chair and put it back yes. down in a different place, yeah. and the audience are like oh I know what you're thinking and feeling oh like you were late oh my god I you've just broken up with someone oh I bet he was hungry or like yeah. whatever and it's like so yeah I think that's possible yeah yeah and an audience like and I, I mean I do that with if I watch dance and I'm sure that like you know um the, the person dancing has got their own internal thing but there's not yeah. necessarily a, a story that goes with dance but if I'm watching a dancer I have a story in my head right you know you know I saw a wonderful dance show it was called play without words mm. and um it was so cleverly done it was um two characters but they were played by four different people and it was about a couple falling in love and so there were four pairs and depending on which couple you watch the story played out differently as it as it went on but coming back to i've got a story and i know i'm meant to be interviewing you and i'm sorry about this no but, i like having a conversation um, yeah I, I was in a play and um my sister dies at the end i think it was matilda Lyon, is it and she dies at the end of the play 
and the way the set was built is her bedroom was at the top and I had to go up a ramp to get to her bedroom. Anyway, so um, I have found out that she has died and the idea was that I go up into her bedroom and I have my kind of last line of dialogue. Anyway, so I get up into the bedroom and the light doesn't come on. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, what, what, what am I going to do? I need to find a light. So I go back down the ramp, find a light that's halfway down the ramp, sit there and I do my last line. Well, this woman came up to me at the bar afterwards and she said, that was just magnificent. The way you sat down <laughs> and did that scene. And she's like, uh, where is the director? So I've got the director over and she's like waxing lyrical. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I only sat there because the light didn't come on. But... It is, yeah, like no, you're saying. It is a, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, we seek meaning. Mm. And there's that wonderful experiment, isn't there, about, um, I can't remember who did it, it's driving me nuts, where they take uh, uh, a bit of film of, a, of an actor's face for like 30 seconds, and then they put a different image just before it, and then have the shot, and then they ask the audience, what is this character feeling? And then they do it again, but with a different image before the shot of his face and the audience, you know, which, which of your plays have been most misunderstood? Um, I, I don't know about misunderstood because I quite like deliberately writing in some things that are a bit conf not confusing but like leading people down a double path if you like so that there's a choice you like because I kind of like the idea that when someone reads reads something of mine or sees something of mine that they could have a conversation with the person that they've experienced it with and um, have a discussion about a different outcome okay so I quite I quite often when I write deliberately do that um yeah so that there can be differences of opinion and I know what my preferred outcome is yeah. but like I want I kind of almost am being deliberately provocative about prejudice okay um okay. and so that so that because like, you know why why write a play I kind of want people to to experience something can have a conversation yes and learn that's like that's exciting to me yeah, I would much yeah. rather someone like say like a group of four people came to see something or they heard something on the radio of mine I'd much rather they be like no it was this no it was this no it was shit no it was brilliant than them all coming out going oh I had a nice night you know yeah. it's like um but I had something on the radio last year it's called red flags um, and then I was, uh, and that was part of uh, Naked Productions. There was four other writers, and um, everyone did um, different episodes. But my episode was Red Flags, okay. Um, okay. and that can produce quite different responses from people. And I was interviewed for a local radio station about it. And the guy on the radio station was getting quite frustrated because he just wanted me to tell him the answer of what it was about. And I was just like, what do you think? And he was like, well, could, it's this. And I was like, okay. And he was like, <laughs> he didn't, he's like, and I, I was like, I'm not going to tell you what the answer yeah. is. Like, because it was a piece about a couple, a man and a woman. And, um, uh, and they their marriage had come to an end and she was kind of talking about him being a bit abusive okay. and um, but the way I did it was like she was recounting conversations where she'd been accused of being mad and like, I kind of like the idea that you could come away from that thinking she is actually mad or you could think that that he was actually abusive but I don't give the answer okay. and I just I just think it's really interesting to see because I think I've laid it out pretty equally yeah and I, so I, I just find it interesting to see where people sit with that after they've listened to it yes yeah I agree and I, I think as well with with playwriting not that I've ever written one but there is all those different levels of interpretation so you've got mm. the playwright you know what what you mean then the director and then the actors and then the audience mm. and 
to see what how things change from what I might think when I read a script to when I actually see the production. I mean, they they can be poles apart. Yeah, and I and I do think that different um, performers bring a different essence as well, mm. um, and that can change how an audience re like receives a character quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I could talk to you all day about this because you're bringing up many happy memories for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, mate, well we'll be able to travel soon enough, won't we? Maybe exactly. we should do that in real life. Yes. But for now, um, I know obviously, you know, I think, the, you know, theatres are starting to open up. Um, what's coming up for you? And is there anything that people can kind of, of for, watch online? Um, I'm working on... Night of the Living Flat Packs, which is going out on radio. Oh, I'm not so I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Okay, don't worry. Oh, anyway, that um I won't say anything more about it. Okay. And I'm working on Fish Tank with Sphinx Theatre, and um that's gonna we don't I haven't got a proper date because um we're not like people aren't sure when theatres are actually gonna come back. Okay. Yeah. So it's supposed to be at the end of the year. Um, keep a look on Twitter. I put stuff on Twitter. Brilliant. <laughs> so that's loud underscored word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I recently started stalking you on Twitter. Um, and okay, so what was the best piece of advice anybody ever gave you about playwriting? Oh, I can think of lots, but I think um, B. I went to a workshop with B. Roberts. I really like her work. And she said, um, think of the biggest, most impossible thing that you'd like to happen that would make you really happy if it happened in your play um, and make sure you have a bit of that in there. Brilliant. That's, that's, that's great. And then it's what? Nice, isn't it? And it might be the same piece of advice, but what? Yeah either advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who's kind of thinking about getting into playwriting or just starting out? Um, I would say go and see a lot of theatre. I think that it's really easy to um, want to do something and think you're pioneering and you're on your own. Yeah. But I think it's um, the world is a much happier place with connection. All right, fantastic, wise words. Thank you so much, Anita. It's been been lovely. Well, I'd say to have a catch up, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm you know so proud of the way you know your career is growing and developing. And I actually Thank haven't you. seen any of your plays, so I'm going to come and see something. No, well, next time it's possible in real life, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Thank you again. All right, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.